It is, good. <clears throat> it is good to be with you today, and thank you to you, the congregation, and to the session, and to Thomas for the uh, gracious invitation to be more intentionally involved during this time of Jill's absence. Jill is a good friend and pastor to all of us, and we're trusting God for her full healing, and we know God is faithful and will do that. We're looking at the first three pillars from David Zoll's book uh, as themes for these first three sermons during Lent. Two weeks ago it was limitation, last week doubleness, and today self-centeredness. I think I did take a jab at Thomas last week and say thank you for giving me self-centeredness. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody understands that they probably have some limits so, and doubleness. I think if, unless we're oblivious to our own lives, we know that we're, there are things that we do that we shouldn't do and we don't do things we should do, which was a sermon last week. But now I have to try to tell you that you're self-centered. <laughs> so thank you for your thoughtfulness, Tom. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> The scripture I want to use is from Galatians uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. So let us hear the word of the Lord. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not gentle, Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by works of the law, but through the faith of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by doing the works of the law. Because no one will be justified by the works of the law, but if in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I'll be reflecting on uh, all of this text to some degree, but I will particularly focus on uh, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. O oh Lord, uh, open our minds and our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may hear what you have to say to us today. I pray in Christ's name, amen. My in-laws lived in a small town along the Jersey Shore. We loved visiting there. We could walk to the beach from their house. One Saturday morning, I was sitting along Main Street, drinking my coffee. It was a festive day, very crowded. People coming down from New York City on weekends, traffic just crawling along. Suddenly, I heard a voice, hold it. Then again, a little louder, hold it. And then again, at the top of his lungs, hold it. 
I looked up and a man was standing in front of a car that was rolling forward. He was blocking the car from moving into the intersection because a young couple pushing a stroller was crossing the street and he didn't think the car was going to stop, so he ran out in front of it. This busy, crowded Saturday morning and this man with his hands on the hood of a car, hold it, hold it. And when the car kept inching forward, hold it. Everybody along the street stopped and looked out at this confrontation and it didn't look like anybody was gonna change their mind. The driver kept inching forward, the shouting man kept banging on the hood, and the parents with the stroller could have picked up their pace a little bit. <laughs> well, it worked itself out. The car kept rolling, got past the intersection, the man stopped shouting and banging on the hood. The couple pushed their stroller across the street and went their way. But for everyone watching, it was a public display of ego. Everyone involved had a lot of me, a lot of I. I can drive my car where I want, I can shout whatever I want, I can cross the street in the way I want, a lot of ego. As a Christian, I shouldn't have been particularly surprised. We know that we have two very real parts to our nature. On the one hand, we're made in the image of God, capable of great and heroic things, capable of living in joyful response to our Creator, capable of living with Jesus at the center. On one shoulder, we have an angelic voice saying, you are a beloved child of God, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. But on the other shoulder, there's a devilish voice saying, it's all about you, you're number one. God gets pushed to the side. We're capable of all kinds of bad behavior. Deep in the heart, there's a lot of me. There's a lot of I, I, I. C.S. Lewis called pride the great sin, excessive concern with self. There is one voice, he said, of which no one, is the world, no one in the world is free which everyone in the world loathes when we see it in someone else, and which hardly anyone ever imagines that they are guilty of themselves. And what is that vice? Self-centeredness, pride, I. We're conscious of it in ourselves, and the more we have it, the more we dislike it in others. The inability to forget about me the inability to see ourselves as broken, the desire to be in control, this tendency to dig our heels in. Let me ask you some questions. Is anybody here this morning a stubborn person? <laughs> Is anybody married to a stubborn person? <laughs> anybody here who has to be in control? Anybody married to someone who has to be in control? Anybody who finds it hard to admit you're wrong? Anybody who tends to talk more than you listen? Anybody who finds it hard to forgive? Self-centeredness, pride, we all struggle with that voice on the shoulder telling us to push God to the side and put ourselves at the center. We tend to view ourselves favorably is how David Zoll 
describes it in his book. We tend to view ourselves favorably. We have a self-serving bias. It shows up when we get so upset when things don't go right. It shows up when we're super self-conscious of how we're being treated. I, I, me, me. My middle name is Albert. It was my mother's maiden name. My grandparents, Henry and Marie Albert, were born in a village along the Volga River in Russia. They were Germans. Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia in 1763, published a manifesto inviting Germans to come to Russia and found villages along the Volga River. Nicholas Albert was among the first who came in the 1760s. The Volga Germans had a good life there for 170 years. They eventually lost their autonomy under Lenin. They were deported under Stalin. My grandparents came to America. Three years ago, we were able to visit their village along the Volga where they were born and raised, and then we went further south along the river to Volgograd, formerly Stalingrad, and saw the sites and monuments there that marked the Battle of Stalingrad, one of the pivotal, bloodiest battles of World War II, the winter of 1942-43. Horrible brutality on both sides. The Soviets finally encircled the Germans, trapping over 200,000 German soldiers who were then abandoned by Hitler, out of fuel, out of ammunition, out of food, surrounded in a Russian winter, but Hitler insisted they stay put, obsessed with saving face. A historian of the Battle of Stalingrad says that thousands of soldiers were sacrificed simply because, quote, personal pride was at stake. Starving soldiers, freezing soldiers, wounded. And why was Stalingrad even worse than it had to be? Personal pride was at stake. I, I, I. That may seem like an extreme example, but as Christians, we have a realistic view of human nature. It's not just tyrants who have difficulty with I, it's all of us. If we're honest and if we affirm a low anthropology, we know it's all of us. We all have difficulty with I. It's a vice of which no one is free. As Lewis said, we loathe it when we see it in others and rarely see it in ourselves. It impacts the world we live in. Pope Benedict, when he reflected on the state of the world, said it's a world whose ultimate goal consists of one, one's ego and desires. One's ego and desires. And it's not only the world out there, it impacts our personal relationships. Several artists have recorded the Roger Miller song about marriage, two people each having so much pride inside that neither side forgives. A culture of ego and desires, people with so much pride that neither side forgives. It's why the gospel is such amazing good news. It's why Jesus and his cross are so important. I, I have been crucified with Christ, said the Apostle Paul. I, 
have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Have we seen the cross in quite that way? I, says Paul, was crucified there with Jesus, that prideful, self-centered me, that stubborn, controlling me was nailed to the cross with Christ. Do we really appreciate what happened there? We rather blithely say Christ died for our sins on the cross, but do we truly appreciate the new life and forgiveness found there? And do we recognize the example there for how we're supposed to live right now? Paul here in our reading from Galatians is talking about justification. It's a big fancy word, but it really means something very simple. Justification is the good news that sinful, broken people, all of us are accepted by God through Christ's self-giving on the cross. Whatever our background, whatever our social status, we're all restored to God the same way. We're justified by God's gracious act in Jesus Christ. God accepts us not by what we've done or haven't done, but accepts us by what Jesus has done out of his mercy, love, and grace. He was the obedient son of God who on the cross died for us, the disobedient. He was the sinless who died for us, the sinners. He's the crucified one who's also now the resurrected one. We, we simply come with empty hands, acknowledge our self-assertion, acknowledge the I who wants to run things, and instead of trusting I, we trust Jesus. And there's an amazing change. There's something about us that's never the same. No longer is it I, 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 but it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Paul's personal confession becomes your personal confession. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of the downsides of social media is what critics call exaggerated self-display. I will get online. I will tell you what I am doing at this moment. I will tell you how I am feeling at this moment. I will show you where I am at this moment. Exaggerated self-display. Compare that to what Paul said in another of his letters, the first letter to the Corinthians. Paul said something very interesting. He said, I die daily. I die daily. Every morning when I get up, that part of me that wants to push itself forward, every day that self-absorbed part that wants to make a scene, every morning when I get up, that part of me that wants to make me number one, I, I, I crucify it. Every day that part of me that wants to live only for myself, I die to it. I die daily. I die daily. 
One of the joys of my uh, pastor years in California, the West Coast, was occasionally sitting under the teaching of Dale Bruner. Dr. Bruner is uh, emeritus professor at Whitworth University in Spokane. He's now retired and lives in Pasadena. Wonderful teacher of scripture and insightful theologian. And one thing that makes Dr. Bruner's teaching style unique is he'll have a blackboard or an easel and he draws stick figures to make his point. Here's this profound Bible teacher and he's drawing stick figures. When he draws a person, well, there's the body, there's the legs, there's the arms, there's the face. He's a master at making scripture come alive or church history or culture by drawing stick figures or symbols. He's legendary for his teaching style. What does a self-centered life look like? Well, he draws a heart. And sitting there in the heart, he draws a big S through the heart. Self dominates the heart. It's me and you, we're, we're in control. Then he draws another heart, draws a cross through the heart. Christ in control. It's what Paul's getting at in today's scripture. When he says, I have been crucified with Christ, the verb is in a tense. It means something that happened in the past whose effects continue into the present. Something happened in the past, the cross, but it's relevant right up to this very day. Your current condition is that you died with Christ. It's not a long, a long time ago thing. You partake of it right now in your present life. And it's why you can say it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The self-serving I was crucified. You're alive. You're living out the reality of what happened on the cross. And what is it that happened on the cross? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's now more of him and less of us. John the Baptist said of his relationship with Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. <clears throat> Does that mean we become perfect saints? No. Does it mean we never sin? No. Does it mean we're always able to forget our self-centered selves? No. What it does mean is when I is crucified, when it dies daily, something amazing happens. You actually become more truly yourself. You actually become more uniquely you. In dying to self-life, you gain true life. You're free. You're no longer captive to I. Self-centeredness is burdensome. It really is. Always having to make sure you're getting your fair share. Always having to shape the world around you. 
let go of that. You'll actually become more truly you. And says David Zoll, you'll become a more forgiving person, forgiving of yourself, forgiving of others. You don't have to be so defensive. You know exactly who you are. You're a broken soul with Christ living in you. And that makes it so much easier to be kind and loving and understanding. Harold Myra is a Christian journalist, a publishing executive. He tells how at his country home, a barn door was left open and a little deer got inside the barn and then out on into a stable area with an eight foot high enclosure, couldn't get out. So the deer stepped back from the fence, sort of measured it and ran up, jumped, hit the fence, fell back, picked himself up, shrugged it off, jumped, hit the fence, fell back down. On the third attempt, he jumped, hit his neck, landed with a smack on the ground, and Harold Myra thought, oh my, he's broken his neck. The deer lay still, his eyes were moving, his head moved a bit, but so afraid, terrified. Harold Myra crept over, slowly spoke softly, you're gonna be okay. Let me take care of you, patted him gently, rubbed his side. And when he thought the deer trusted him, put his arms underneath, picked him up, carried him out through the stable, through the barn, into the grassy field. And in a moment, the little deer stood up, shook himself off, and ran into the woods. Harold Myra went back to his house and he wrote in his diary, oh, how like that little deer I am. I try to be so in control. There are barriers in my life I think, think I can jump over no matter how high the walls. I really think I'm confident enough, in control enough, smart enough, good enough that I can jump over any barrier. And it's only when I run smack into a wall that I can't get over and I'm lying helpless on the ground faced with transition in my life or loss in my life or something I can't conquer, it's only when I'm at the end of my rope that I finally lie back and in my fear, allow you, almighty God, to carry me and set me free. Lord God, why do I pretend that I'm self-sufficient, in control, when I really know that in my heart that without you, I'm nothing. Anybody who relates to that? I sure can. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. There is a part of us that wants to push Christ to the side and put ourselves at the center. Christ bore that part on the cross. It's a past event but you still right now partake in what happened there. You carry around with you the death of Jesus. So live into it, accept it. Turn off the voices that tell you to make yourself number one. When your heart says, I'm in charge, but you're running into walls, simply confess, Lord, I can't do it on my own. 
I need your grace. I need your grace. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for your love and grace expressed so unselfishly on the cross. We're amazed that Jesus became flesh and blood and gave his life in order to give us life. Thank you. Thank you. By the Holy Spirit, give us the strength and humility to make the cross our pattern for living, to put others first, to be forgiving, helpful, and kind. We pray this in the name of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.